Hello, January. Hi, Ricky. How are you doing? I am good. Well, we've just spoke a minute ago about my uh, my uh, corny puns around your name because you're called January and obviously it is January 2024, the first podcast of the year for us. Um, and what better way to kick things off with January Brian, the Movement yeah. Specialist? Oh, thank you. What an honor. Thank you so much for for giving me the space and time too. No, I've been meaning to I've been meaning to um invite you on for a while and and Negus kind of put me on to it and said, you know, why don't you get yeah, January to speak? And because you work kind of out there in the Pilates studio and we don't get to see you that much. It's kind of like often you just you just out, out of sight, out of mind, yeah. you know, you, yeah. you, you kind I, of you slip off the radar. But so true. Um obviously with it being January and there's this whole wave of enthusiasm for resetting restarting Yuck. recalibrating um and 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 really trying to invest in our health and fitness i thought to myself well wh- who who better to speak than someone like yourself who is is out there helping people move better um and improve the quality of their lives so you're a Pilates instructor, and I've also just found out that you you come from a yoga background as well. So lots of interesting things to talk about here. Mm-hmm. But first of all, like I do with all of our guests, just tell us a little bit about um, why you became a fitness professional, how you became a prof- fitness professional, and, and especially why you orientated towards practices such as yoga and Pilates. Yeah, so thank you. Hi. Anyway, um, yeah, so I started, like, after school, I started from a pharmacology career. Okay. Yes. So I worked with one of the big pharmas. So I was working with handling. I was, I used to work for Pfizer. So uh, I know, right? Yeah. But yeah, I I went from a cardiovascular medicine background and then moved into pain um, as one of my main drives in that work. And then I decided to, well, big corporations i'm just like no i'm too young i want to travel the world and work for an airline where i was able to travel the world and i got into yoga after finding yoga as a form of rehab for me after i injured both of my knees from well number one occupational hazard you know um here and also number two from too much sports the squash and you know the usual Anyway, so that started my journey and because it was so holistic holistic that it really reached out to me, not just on physical, but also like a spiritual level as well. So I was really happy with that. And then as I was going through this one studio here in Dubai a long time ago, it was a half hot yoga studio and it the other part was a Pilates studio. And then I was like, just look at people like, ah, oh, we know Pilates, but I'm like, oh, I love my yoga. And I'm just like, but that's so, such an amazing thing, seeing people come out of that studio and just having the, um, just an air about health and, you know, like great posture coming out of them. And it was one time I looked into it and I saw a picture of Joseph Pilates. Like he said, you were inspired him. You know, it was a picture of him when he was 50 and there was a picture of him when he was 80. And it's ridiculous. It was just, you can, you've never seen a healthier, more, you know, robust 
being, human being standing with 30 years difference and that. The you know, always says, you're only as young as your spine is. Interesting. And yeah, that's that true. was, that really inspired me. So I went on to try Pilates and then I said, I did my yoga training and then I delved into the yoga training, into teaching it. And then I've started, because I come from a therapeutic healing myself with yoga, I um, said, maybe this could be a service for me. Like this was my main goal in life is actually, it's like my dharma, as we call it in yoga, to be of service, to help people who need a lot of that um, help with movement. And then I started going into that. I studied deep into my yoga, did 500 hours, and a lot of it is on orthopedic training, like working with the bones and not just, you know, doing the poses of yoga, but having a purpose to why do we move like this? most of the time and to also stop from getting hurt <laughs> from doing extreme poses and then then that led on to pilates which was great they explored all the uh pilates movements it was such a great journey and then also there's still loads of questions so why do this why do that and then whatever teacher that you go to is a different um what do you call that spectrum of explanations that it would give you and like you know what, there's still so many questions that are needed to answer. So I went on and got my postgraduate degree with anatomy. And that was such a life changing that was the game changer as a teacher, because knowing how, you know, the in-depth of your body gives you such great explanation and insights on how to help people as well. And I guess brings change in the way you teach, in the way you, um, you know, bring movement into, to share it with other people. Absolutely. So, and Absolutely. then now we're here. <laughs> mm, yeah. I mean, you've said so much there. And I think what really reson resonates with me is this um, coming from a personal experience where you use the skills that you learn on yourself before then and being of service to others so that you have this deep empathy and understanding and wisdom within your own experience and practice to be able to then relate to other people because it's okay just learning something and then being in service with it but if you've applied it to yourself and your own you know your own growth and development i think you you are you you are much more of a uh, a flexible compassionate empathetic um, and wise and skilled instructor. Um, but also, it's really interesting that you, you talk about coming from this big kind of faceless corporation environment into wanting to find a, something to serve with. Yeah. This whole concept of eudaimonia, living a purpose life, yeah. a purposeful life, I think is really important. And, and many people are, you know, going to work day to day scratching their heads thinking what is this what what impact am I having and I and I think the fitness industry or the health industry the, the health and wellness industry is becoming so much more attractive a because there is lots of people who are suffering in the modern world but also because it is such a brilliant act of service and it's such a fulfilling act of service and it, and it serves not just the people it serves us as well because we're constantly learning. And it sounds like you've been on a, a real learning curve coming from yoga through Pilates. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about Pilates because 
you know, it is such a popular movement modality and philosophy. Yet I wonder how many people really know where Pilates, how it started, and what it was, you know, how it, how it how it developed, and and how it's become to be this kind of almost you know roll off the tongue thing that people want to do. Yeah. Yes. So give us a little bit of a a brief a brief on that. Yes. Yeah, so. Background. Yeah, definitely. Pilates, um, as we know, when in our training, we're taught on like the history of it. How Joseph Pilates actually he was a, as in World War One, he was a prisoner of war. Yeah, and there we go. It circles back into service, isn't it? So as he was stuck there in like, um, you know, like a prison the Isle camp, of Man, it was the UK. Right? Yeah, they, yeah, they. I didn't even him. know that. Yeah. Oh my goodness! So he was stuck there and. They had nothing the usual, just beds and all of that. And then he noticed how lots of his um, people who were there with him were really getting sick and poorly just because of non-movement, of course, plus part of they're getting depressed here in war. And he managed to, what a brilliant, brilliant man he was, he managed to make things out of beds, bed springs and all of that, just to uh, create um, little machines that could help them move their bodies throughout, you know, the um, the time that they were there. And he noticed how much they were actually improving morale and just the body, the physiology of people. And then, and think in the future as he was released and all of that, moved to New York and just brought on all of his amazing work there. I think in New York at that time when he was there, was it like, 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s, or something like that. Uh, most, uh, he was in only people who really understood the craft of phys- of Pilates and physiology were the ballerinas, yeah, right, the dancers in New York. And then, then you can see how this is where he evolved. They had they, you know, they matched all of his. They learned all of his techniques. Though so he has either mat class, just body movements. And then he brought on all of those things that he learned with equipment. He made the chair, which he, as what I've heard and what I've read, <laughs> is that the chair actually served as a, at nighttime and becomes like a lounge chair in his apartment. And in the daytime, they call it the wonder chair. In daytime, you flip it over and it becomes a Pilates machine. So how amazing is that? And of course, we have so. Pilates is not just all body movements onto the mat where we have set sequences and set movements, but also um, all the inventions that Joseph Pilates have made over those years. Um, it includes um, the reformer, which is like a bed with springs, which it, and the chair, and then the Cadillac, which is like a four-poster bed. All of these things, all of these equipments are supported so it's not just so people who are healing from or trying to heal from like say injuries or things like that could benefit with a lot of these movements that have weights on them or resistance and as we know in our line of work how much resistance is actually so helpful for muscles and our tissues so in a nutshell um nowadays we can see we have the um not Pilates to group work, you know, so where people explore foundations of movement and coordination. And then we have also, we can see all over the world now we have studios that have 
rows and rows of um, reformer so that you can still apply all the foundations of those movements into um, the machine. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I really, because I trained as a, a an advanced um, math instructor with stock Pilates. I, should, I'm, I, I don't get any commission for that, by the yeah. way. I don't, <laughs> don't, don't know why I'm mentioning it. But um, at the time, I was studying osteopathy, and you mentioned getting your postgraduate um, certification in, in, in anatomy. Mm-hmm. And at the time, when I was studying um uh, the the advanced map uh, kind of repertoire i was studying anatomy with osteopathy and and we're also studying exercise and movement and I, I had this inner conflict i was thinking well i'm doing these rigid set of movements um this this repertoire of movements with with the stock method yet i'm learning how the brain interpret or uses and recruits muscles and 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 how it um, goes about initiating movement. And there, there was this jarring in my mind because the Pilates method that I was learning was very strict to the point where I couldn't find this crossover into everyday functional movement because the movements were very precise. And, and I think this is where the dance or the ballerina element came into Pilates where I can't remember how many movements it is, but it's a very strict sequence of movements. And I'm thinking in my mind, well, that's not how the body really works, you know. When you want, when when there's a task, your body basically gets you to do the task. Picking up from picking something up from the floor, you know, picking something off a shelf, bending down, standing up. So, how are these movements that I'm doing in the Pilates going to cross over into, you know, functional movement for my for my patients? But what we've seen is this development of Pilates where the principles are being used to be adapted to the function of a human being. So, for instance, someone comes in with back pain, you will probably use the principles of Pilates, not 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 the exact movements, not those strict repertoire movements, but you will probably tailor the movement to the needs of the individual based on the principles. So that's where I find, you know, comfort in in, in using Pilates because these principles of things like breath, connection, control, precision... I like those, 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 those foundational principles with movement. I like people to move well and with yeah. quality. And I think um, Pilates has adapted so much since its, yeah. since its inception now to the point where it's been used in a clinical and, and, and you know, like you said, rehabi- yeah. rehabilitational capacity as well. So um, how would you use Pilates, with, say, with a patient that comes in and... Um, have been struggling with some kind of joint pain, like knee pain, hip pain, lower back pain. You know, what would you? How would you go about helping somebody with 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 your experience in in movement? And yeah, I think you said the magic word there. What we see every day is always why we get people to come here is because of that big keyword. It's always pain, right? Isn't it? So we always get so. First things first, it's like if there's a fire, we just put out the fire first, right? Before saving people, like if you're in a... So I think that's from from our point of view, from movement point of view and therapeutic point of view is first things first is to help people relieve their pain, pain management. Yeah, so number one, that's in the print, in one of the, in the principles of Pilates as well is I'm always really going with the breath first breath such a big 
word that's such a cliche as well these days, but it's so, so profound. Sometimes when you just bring in, uh, when we meet our clients for the first time and then just to bring down the whole nervous system, the number one principle of Pilates that we use is to breathe. Breathe, relax the body, relax the nervous system, relax the muscles. And then from there, we bring them onto um, the principles that we of movement that we have learned from Pilates. So above everything else, I think this has been the major, you know, like template or umbrella that we use to help and bring in um, healing into our clients and patients. And then as that goes on, so you've unraveled, mean, let go of the pain, and then, then comes in the next stage where they find, people find that if you're pain-free, then you can move. And then let's go from there. Let's improve. Let's move the body. And it's not just sometimes, it's not all about the muscles that works with it because it's a holistic and whole integrative movement. Pilates movement also helps, you know, reaches in, not just with the breathing, but also inner movements, all our inner workings of our inner organs, isn't it? So like in osteopathy and all of that, the, uh, um, the interrelations of how our inner organs work and how, here it is, here's going to be the big word, it's all about the fascial and the myofascial connectivity of our body, brings it all in into a one, you know, wellness and goal as well for people to get really healthy and yeah. move well yeah, and be well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, it's really interesting when you talk about the principles of Pilates being adapted to the in individual because um, I think when it comes to movement, we understand that the brain recognizes movement, not just individual muscles. And a lot of time, a lot of, uh, I think, a lot of the prevailing um, culture and, and, and thought process around exercise is that if I isolate a muscle, then I'll, I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I'll be able to repair that muscle or that and make that muscle stronger or more turned when yeah. the brain doesn't really recognize muscles in isolation. So rather than, you know, and I, and I think we're, we're also um, guilty of this in a rehabilitative capacity is that we tend to try and focus on individual reductionist kind of movements yeah. instead of integrating them into whole body movements that the brain recognizes. Yeah. Pushing, pulling, catching, throwing, lifting, jumping. Exactly. Um, and so one thing that I like about, like I said, Pilates is these, these, these principles, but it's really interesting how each individual instructor will adapt those mm -hmm. principles to the person. So um, what are some of the most common challenges, apart from pain? Obviously, working here at the Osteopathic Health Centre, you probably see people here in, in pain. But, but what are some of the most common challenges aside from pain um, or more precisely what, in areas of body that you encounter with your, with your clients? Do you see more uh, kind of pain and injury? Do you see more people who want wellness or op movement optimization? What, what, what's the kind what of... Is, yeah, what do we see more often? It's actually not being too reductionist about this, but also it's just the lack of movement. Mm. Is a lack of mint. So, sometimes people come to see us and then they go like, oh, I have a pain in my shoulder. I have, well, the, that's the symptom. 
But as you look into it, you know, it's basically, that is just the stem of it. But the root is because it's the lack of movement from everyone. Be it from the internal, just the lack of breathing. We have not, we don't really um, realize how much just breathing and just moving your lungs. They're just fully extending your inhale with your lungs. Also as a byproduct that your posture is you know, a lot more better and well aligned, then you can get more oxygen levels into your body that makes you more active, that gets you to be more um, vibrant in life. And then you move. So I see this is what is in a general point of view that everyone, sometimes us, of course, included when we get too much work, you know, we, we get to sit a lot is the immobility of the body. And it's not just the limbs, not just your arms being able to reach up, down, but it's all the general sense of immobility. Like I said, all our, our body is all interconnected. Yeah, when sometimes people would I would see like, oh, my shoulders really hurt. It's because your immobility, you're not just moving, not your shoulders, but also sometimes the hand are so static, just typing into the computer. You know, and then if you just, when you think about it, when you sit there and watch Netflix, I'm a fan. Um, and you notice how when you're so engrossed with it, you tend to hunch over and focus. And then plus, if you watch like a horror or like thrill, thriller thing, notice how much when you get to breathe, you, you don't realize how you've not, you've been holding your breath. Yeah. Yeah, and all of that is all so interconnected. Your breath, your neck, your shoulders, your stomach, everything, your digestion, then your legs. So I think this is it, number one. Lack it's of just breathing. the immobility. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's so prevalent, and I, 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 I keep harping on about this. I think I must have said it during every podcast, but there is a complete mismatch between mankind and modernity mm. our our current living environments are not conducive to health because we're we're, we're the comfort and the convenience of mo modern life is taking away our necessity to move yes. it's given us lots of ultra processed tempting foods which we're kind of hardwired to want we have high stress levels and ultra connectivity so we've got all of this information and distraction coming in we've got no need to move and we've got all the great tasting food in the world. It's a recipe for disaster. At, at the tip of your um, delivered <laughs> exactly, you the push your of a app. button. Yeah. Um, and so we're still paleolithic or we're still hunter gatherers in our physiology, but we're in a modern world, which is basically giving us everything we want at the press of a button. And so movement, lack of movement is probably one of the number one drivers of the biggest, um, you know, causes of mortality as well as things like ultra processed yeah. food. Um, but yes, this is one area of contention that I have as a practitioner, as an osteopath. And I said earlier to you that I believe that there has to be an element of activi activity as well as passive treatment. You know, just, just laying people down on a bed and moving them around and, you know, manipulating their bodies, stretching. Maybe, maybe we do soft tissue techniques. That's all well and good, but it's not strengthening the body it's not teaching the body or giving the body and an, the stimulus to move with better quality the only way we do that is by the person or the patient voluntarily getting up moving repeating movement lo loading the movement up extending the yeah. range of motion that's the best yeah. way for me to 
instigate or to encourage a healing response. And so the, the connection or the, 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 the collaboration between passive treatment, laying people down on a bed and getting them up and moving their bodies voluntarily, that is the complete healing package. And that's what we're trying to get across here now at the clinic is that there's a circle of care that needs to be kind of um, honoured, really, if we want to get full recovery from pain or injury. And it, it doesn't stop when we're out of pain. Yeah. It stops when the tissues are stronger, yeah. our movement capacity is improved. And so what you do is the perfect adjunct to what classically osteopaths do, which is more hands-on stuff. But now, you know, we want this hybrid. And I think you said that you're also um, kind of skilled in body work as well. So it's kind of a particular massage therapy. So having those two modalities, the, the, the ability to put your hands on patients, but also the ability to encourage correct movement, I think is the perfect it's marriage. It's really good, isn't it? Yeah, even for, for just ourselves. And, and yeah, now you mentioned that. And it's also, it's also like getting people to move. It has to, sort of like an ikigai, isn't it? And it's a purpose as well. You can't just like, you know, like you said, it has to be a combination between passive and active. But sometimes, I know, the, the mentality of, like, if you hold, like, pe- things like fear, like, when people have, like, you get an injury, of course, their body is going to protect you. You know, we call that guarding, right, in the, um, in the therapy world. And that your body will tend to not want to move. So there's fear in there that it might repeat again. So what is nice is the ability to not just move passively to get the find out of that fear but also to guide in an emotional level isn't it to get the um, person who's had that to get over that fear and get that purpose in their minds to then comes the active part of it you know when they want to no fear there let's go jump in let's go move it and then it's crazy how you'll always see like it's always like an aha move moment isn't it ah when you regain the power in your body to be able to move again and get the range to fully live out, you know, like the movement of your hands or your arms. And so I'm thinking that that's a great space that we, you know, as a therapist and all that really help out and that for everyone to cross over, I guess you could say that. Yeah. Absolutely. I think that there needs to be a real... Um, a, a much deeper connection between the medical world and the health and fitness world. There has to be because they're really one and the same. It's just a, it's a spectrum. But there's such a, I wouldn't say an arrogance, well, maybe there is an arrogance in the medical world, like because obviously, you know, you you, you have to train for many years to become a, yes. a doctor. You have to be licensed and regulated. Yeah. And the health and fitness industry, maybe or the wellness industry might be seen as a little bit more kind of maverick and, and yeah. wild west. But what we're seeing now is that the the diseases that are, are really taking over mankind are non-communicable and they're based on our lifestyles. And so, you know, the medical industry now is looking to the wellness industry to say, well, how can, how can you help here? You know, we yeah. need you guys in, yeah. health coaches, nutritionists, Pilates instructors, yeah. PTs, to really try to have an impact because medicine, modern medicine, is not touching the sides when it comes to Things like um, heart disease, obesity, diabetes, yes. even certain cancers and things like that. It's not touching the sides. And so we need this preventative and, and more active approach. 
And uh, last, uh, one of the previous podcasts, we had Louisa Freer in, and she's a medical trainer. She, she, she specializes in medical fitness. So she basically takes um, referrals from doctors and hospitals for people with these kind of non-communicable diseases and trains them up and gets them, it's you amazing. know, helps them heal. And, yeah. and, and so for me, you know, you said earlier, movement, movement is medicine, right? Yeah. Um, and it's really about time we start to perceive exercise as medicine. And things like yoga and Pilates are seen as more safe me- uh, methodologies which is a little bit of a bugbear for me because I'm big into strength training and, and, and so many people have this fear around lifting weight. Yes. And I'm like, you know, the, the body is designed mm-hmm. to thrive in the face of resistance. Yes. And the body's probably more prepared than, it, than in any other arena in life when you're in a gym. Your body's prepared for it. So there's not much danger, but a lot of people are still stigmatized around certain exercise modalities. And like you mentioned earlier with this fear, we really need to help people understand that their bodies are really resilient. The, you know, the, the human anatomy, you must have heard people say, oh, you know, I'm going to, I've signed up for a marathon and it's in, it's in two months. And you're like, you can never run and you're going to do a marathon. And they do it. So the, the resilience of the human body is fantastic. And we often don't give ourselves enough credit. But, but there is still a lot of fear around exercise that I think we need to, we need to kind of, um, you know, dissolve. But it is January and it is that time of year when people are really kind of like buzzing for change. You know, some people will stick with it. Some people will fall off the wagon very quickly. But what advice would you give to anybody that is thinking about embarking upon a journey of, say, yeah. Pilates uh-huh. in particular uh-huh. or any form of exercise? Of exercise, yes. So number one, as I said earlier, it's always a purpose. What is your purpose? What do you want? Where do you want to go? What do you want to achieve? You know, and then sometimes as always, it could be weight loss or however it comes to, or just getting fit or building muscles or, you know, just building your body and all that. So my, my only advice is like, like find your purpose, sit down and then just see what you really want with it. And then from there, start one day at a time, you know, but start. Start with any movement because, well, you know, if you're going to go and go heavy on the gym, we just don't go and like, I'll find up, I haven't done anything, but tomorrow, like I said, tomorrow I've signed up for a marathon. I'm like, I'm going to start it tomorrow. You don't go for a marathon on day one. Just, you always have to take one step in. So for me, it's always best to just go move, just move, go, go to a, a group class or, or walk even just walk like do a 10,000 step a day or just start with 5,000 and then and and as we do that as you start with that one step your body like we said the connectivity the chains of your body your set in motion a wheel that will help you bring yourself out of that funk you know because then you say like some people you do it on day one and then you stop you had good intentions but because you went in and went all out. I mean, the body is resilient. You can do that. But the aftermath of that sometimes can be quite, you know, um, quite a big download. So just small steps, one day at a time, be present. It's not just in meditation or that, but be present in your movement, in your body. Or just walking from the couch to the kitchen. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
walking from here to your car or to where you can go. So that's my big advice. It's small, but it's very powerful. Just start one step. Just move. Move your body. And then slowly as the day passes, you know, you can revel in like, oh, what you've achieved for today. Let it be, yeah, even if it's just a tiny increment, it's a plus. Absolutely, right? yes, yeah. yes, love that. And yeah. I, I love what you said about purpose, and that's something that I haven't really touched on. But with my, um, my, my previous to being here in Dubai, I, I, as a health coach, I've worked with thousands of people. And the starting point for me is why. Why do you want to do this? So finding a sense of purpose. And I start by getting people to identify their values. And when they identify their values, then we look at how your health supports your values. And so you create this connection between what, what, what a person wants to do and how important it is to, their, to, to their, the, who they are, their identity. Because if we identify as somebody who is, I'm, I am a Pilates student, I, or I am a runner, or I am a strength trainer, when it's part of our identity, there's less discord, there's less inner conflict mm -hmm. there. And so when we actually take something on as part of who we are, rather than it being for some kind of external gratification or external validation, it becomes more intrinsically motivating. Like we want to be intrinsically motivated to exercise. Most people exercise, I would say most people, because they want external results, external validation, whether it's drop a dress size, lose some weight, be more attractive. You know, instead of doing it for the sake of doing it, yeah. enjoying it, and feeling a sense of purpose for doing it. Yeah. You know, if we can attach ourselves to that, then it becomes non-negotiable. It's, it's, it's reflexive. We don't even think about it. But I think most people start off, like you said earlier, with this, um, maybe uh, the goals are a little bit too um, high. The bar is set up too high, and, and it needs to be, a step-after-step step approach, the whole kind of yeah. little and often kind of scenario. True, yeah. And when it comes to habit formation, we know that you have to build step by step. You could miss a day, but get back on it the next day. So um, that is a great uh, principle. That's the great kind of fundamental uh, characteristic of somebody who will succeed with exercise. What about... Um, what do you think about uh, people who are maybe a little bit apprehensive or frightened? Because we know that there are a lot of people out there who are struggling with their health, yes. but they, they realize cognitively how brilliant exercise will be yeah. for them. But they've maybe heard that that could be dangerous or they've had an experience in the past where they might have got a little bit of a tweak and that stopped them. Yeah. Or they've seen a friend who's been injured through exercise. Yeah. What advice would you give to people who are kind of on the fence they may have they may have a little bit of a health challenge themselves, but they realize how great exercise will be for them. What advice would you give to them? Come see us. Come see us. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, honestly, do you do. It's um it's always a very good idea to go into a journey that to know that you are supported, to know that you are, you know, uh, being looked after. Yeah. So sometimes the first step is always the hardest. Yes, it? absolutely. In everything, daunting, be it in exercise, be it in life. So it never hurts to always have somebody who you know, knows and help and can help you and can definitely take you through the journey. 
And then, you know, like children, you know, in their first steps, we got to help them, right? And then at some point, when they find their steps, then we let them go. So hopefully that can be translated to their journeys as well. So what they see in other people, if they've seen like the negative stories of it all, it's never all negative all the time. There's always more of the success stories as well out there. So don't be afraid. Like, you know, it's, it's not, it's not like we're getting married, right? You know, come see us. You can even just try for once or twice, you know? Yeah. It's not a lack of commitment, but we'll be here. We'll hold your hand, you know, find a professional that you feel safe with and yeah. 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 And, um, we, you know, I'll just add to that. We're offering free Thursday sessions for exercise therapy at the moment. So there is no cost to anybody to come in and try. And yes, it really is about trust and support. It's about feeling that somebody that you're working with has the knowledge, wisdom, empathy, compassion to guide you and alleviate your fears. And here at the clinic, we have that in spades and abundance. So um, if you are looking to get yourself off, off the mark in January and build some momentum, We'll help you push the snowball off the hill yes. and uh, <laughs> get the momentum you need. So, um, yeah, definitely. January, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for it your time. So much fun. And thank you for your wise words. There's been some real kind of oh philosophical yeah. wisdom coming through here. But yeah, I think true. what our listeners will take away from this is that, you know, that movement is medicine. And if you're working with people who have, experienced it for themselves uh-huh. they're highly qualified they've seen thousands of people yeah then you are in safe hands and here at the clinic we're waiting so please we're waiting um carry on doing what you're doing yep and um we will speak again soon yeah you too see you all take care bye